HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila, delicious and smooth tequila, meaning harmony with the earth. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, a man on a never-ending search for the perfect pizza. This show is the audio version of the Pizza Talk YouTube series, where I engage in interesting conversations with some of the country's greatest pizza makers and other artisans. Thanks for joining me on this quest. Hi, welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt. Uh, we're, we're back for another episode, and I'm here today with uh, Chef Mark Forgione from New York. From I could list all the restaurants, but the most recent one, the most uh, sort of newest project in, in the uh, Forge restaurant group uh, system is Peasant, which is, Mark, if I'm not mistaken, kind of a reboot of the famous, well-loved Peasant that uh, kind of burst on the scene about maybe 15 years ago. Yeah, man. I mean, I got, um, you know, I was just kind of at the right place, said the right thing at the right time. Um, Peasant's actually been there since 1999, believe it or not. 20, oh my God. It's, it, I, f- I feel like it was just yesterday when it was such a big deal that it had launched and it was making, you know, stories around the country with the wood fire theme and everything else. And now it's over 20 years old. Unbelievable. Well, yeah, you know, I, I tell people too, you know, Peasant, Peasant is like the, the godfather of, of wood burning restaurants, you know, obviously wood burning restaurants have become um uh you know very popular and for the right reason i mean yeah if you, obviously the food tastes really good on yes. cooked over wood fire it's almost a given um, now people have to have a wood fired oven in there the, right and back in 99 i mean you know this was before any of the the companies that are out there this is before you know francis malman this was before <laughs> you know this was before yeah. the internet uh, you know what i mean this was it was right. um before wood fire was a thing, right? It was, and it was just the way that you know Frank, Frank DiCarlo, he's the chef that I bought it from. Right. It was just, it was just the way that Frank wanted to to do it, and you know, God bless him because I'm I am the very lucky kind of beneficiary. Of, like I said, it was 
I said the right thing to him at the right time at a party. And he was like, listen, man, nobody knows where, nobody knows we're retiring at the end of the year. And we want to give it to somebody that, um, you know, he, I think he said that, you know, I don't want it to become a Starbucks or, you know, an Apple store. Um, you know, so, you know, do you want it? And I was like, uh, are you asking me if I want peasant? Is Frank, uh, he's really retiring, a true retiring uh, opportunity for him to. to kind of- uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see something else from him. Um, yeah. I, kn- I mean, he also, you know, I, I, I took it over right before I took it over January 2020. Um which was kind of a weird, weird timing to take over. A restaurant. Great, great timing, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, I know that he's been out East, um, you know, since COVID hit. And um, I don't know. I think I heard a rumor that he was doing something in like a small kitchen. Um, but like I said, he's, he, he's one of those guys that doesn't stop moving. So I'm sure he's yeah. doing something. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really kind of legendary. The, the restaurant, I, uh, a, fr- a friend of mine, Chris Bianco, who you probably know as well, uh, is in love with Frank and the place. And, uh, uh, you know, was always, you know, just raving on and on about it and how much it influenced him as well. Um, I, but, you know, so let's, we, let's come back and talk more about peasant and what you're doing there and how, how that's kind of like, uh, you know, the new menu that you're doing there. But, um, before we do, most people know who you are. Most people know you as an iron chef. They, if they haven't been to your restaurant, they at least know you from television. Um, they probably, many of them have probably been to your various restaurants, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, well, uh, prime, what is uh, the, the, uh, American cut and, uh, and, and maybe you'll tell us a little about some of the other restaurants you're doing, but your background, I know you seem to many people who just know you from television as sort of like, um, you know, like, where did he come from? A young wonder kid. They don't realize the years and years that you put in, you know, to become uh, a chef and, and really an owner of a whole restaurant group. So can you take us back to your own sort of journey in the culinary world? Uh, maybe back with uh, to, to working with your dad and and you know, how you came up in this business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, I kind of grew up in a restaurant. Um, you know, my dad had me when he was relatively young. You know, he was, he's only 24 years older than me. So, um, he was still building his, his own career when I was a kid. Um, so like, you know, if you wanted to hang out with dad, you kind of went to the restaurants and, you know, there's pictures of me standing on a box in, in an American place in the kitchen, um, you know, learning how to make a Caesar salad properly and, you know, cleaning strawberries for the strawberry shortcake. And, um, I just, you know, I, maybe it was because I wanted to be around my dad. I don't know, but I just, I loved the restaurant business. I loved everything about it. I always have. Um, but, I, you know, when I was, you know, so I worked summers when I was like 16, 17, um, not realizing what the hell I was doing or how good the restaurant I was actually working in was, yeah. you know. I mean, for just people that, that don't know, the Amer- American Place was really one of the seminal restaurants in America. When, and and your dad was really Larry Forjon, really one of the first, I'll call for lack of a better term, celebrity chefs in, in, in yeah, yeah, for the sure. new breed, and, the new breed and godfather of sort of American cuisine. So that yeah, is, that's not just a restaurant that, you know, that was an important restaurant. Yeah. And, and I thought every restaurant had, you know, wild ramps and morel mushrooms and, 
um, you know, day-bold lobsters and soft-shell crabs. You know, yeah, I just right. thought that that's what was a normal thing because that's what, you know, I was a kid, you know. Um, and then I, I, I think, you know, but at the, when it was time for me to go to college, I actually decided to kind of go and see if maybe there was a different career that I wanted to have. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you didn't you didn't go to culinary school. You went to university. I didn't. I, I purposely didn't because I, I you know I just wanted to kind of go out into the world and see yeah. maybe, you know, you know I was seventeen years old at the time. You know what what, what what's out there? And you know I think I majored in forestry and psychiatry, and um, I kind of had a moment in college when I was like, I used to, my buddies used to give me five bucks and I would go to the grocery store and <laughs> cook dinner for like you know, 10 people. And yeah. in college, you know, everybody else just knew how to heat up mac and cheese and, and make a grilled cheese. And here I was like cooking, like, you know, roasted chicken with Beurre Blanc and yeah. asparagus. And, <laughs> and like, um, you were the I was also, friend that everybody wanted. <laughs> yeah. And I, but I also like was thoroughly enjoying those dinner parties, you know what I mean? So it was yeah. like, I think that was like the first kind of aha moment where it was like, well, if I like this, like why, you know, because nobody really wants to do what their dad does when you're 17, 18. You know, you're right. like, you, yeah, you got to you know, find your own way. And, um, but I just felt like I was running from it only because of that. And to me, it like just didn't like make sense to run from it just because of that. Right. And um, anyway, um, you know, did four <laughs> years of college, worked each summer in a restaurant, um, and then um, traveled Europe. And then like really kind of got bit by the bug while I was in Europe and started working, you know, full time in 2001. And, um, you know, it was a grind. I mean, that, that the next 10 years, you know, was six day work weeks, you know, um, I got to work with some amazing chefs. I worked with, um, Kazuto from Shinwan, Maine, Patricia Yo from AZ, uh, Laurent Torndell from, cello and blt uh, michelle gerard in france with three michelin star wow well you, um, you spent a, a, a few years in france right uh, uh, an apprenticeship I, in a sense i did a year and a half with yeah. michelle gerard and it was really beautiful there's there's three different restaurants on the property one of which is actually very similar to peasant it's called le fermo grieve huh. um and it was like his country like you know farmhouse rustic restaurant um yeah. But, you know, they did a pig, a uh, rotisserie pig every day. And, you know, where it was, they were really known for foie gras. So I got to get really familiar with preparing yeah. foie gras. And it was awesome. Um, and I always wanted to have, and I swear I could show you my notebook from when I'm 20, 20 something years old, where I wanted to open a version of La Fermo Grieve in New York City. <laughs> and I walked into Peasant for the first time, maybe yeah. 2000, I don't know, eight. And I was like, holy shit, like, this is yeah. incredible. Like, this guy, this guy actually did it, you know? And I ate there many times. I mean, it was easily my favorite restaurant. Um, and I used to always say to my wife, like, God, imagine if I could have this place. Um, and I'd always been searching to do a wood-burning a restaurant with a rotisserie my original restaurant i opened in 2008 and you know i really wanted to do it but you know we were on like a shoestring budget and yeah. i just couldn't afford to do the venting and um 
And then when I opened my first steakhouse, I swear to you, I tried to get wood burning in there and the casino said no. And then um, I was actually getting ready to open my first wood burning restaurant um, in 2018, maybe in the meatpacking district. And then that fell through. And then, like I said, I was just at this party and I said, gave a speech to this crowd of people at Peasant about how much I love Peasant. And Frank was touched by it. And, you know, he asked me if I wanted it. And um, we've been lighting a fire ever since. That's funny. A few kind words go a long way. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Listen, I, I tell I tell young kids all the time, you know, always, uh, you know, uh, pay attention to what you're saying and who you're saying it to because you never know. Yeah, it's good. That's a good point. Um, along the way, well, let me just back back up. So you 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 got to basically learn the craft by working for a lot of other great chefs and being mentored and and you know sort of uh, taking a little bit from each one. You know, uh, uh, adding to your own repertoire. Uh, somehow along the way, didn't you also open like a Laotian restaurant? Partner up with somebody for that? Yeah. Yeah, one of one of my sous chefs at the time, he's 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 La, uh, Laotian and um, very talented, and he has a real passion for his his um, you know ethnic um, cooking and history of it. And um, you know, he was always he would always make fan. He was my roommate at one time. You know, we we're like best friends, and yeah. uh, he he would make family meal at the restaurant and it was just like, Holy shit. Like, this is so good. Um, and I kind of just said, if you want to open a restaurant, let me know. And it took a couple of years for him to finally like have the confidence to do it. But he came to me and said, okay, I want to do it. And coincidentally, we found a space right around the corner and we opened uh Keo together. Yeah, it's so all right his food. It's not my recipes. It's his food. So he's, he's kind of at the helm there. Uh, uh, running the kitchen absolutely i um, yeah. honestly i just helped them open it like it's not i don't have any uh, but i love laotian food so where 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 is it located what part of the city it's on Dwayne street in tribeca in tribeca because uh you know i know when i come to the city i'm gonna want to eat at peasant but i'm also gonna you know want to eat at uh how do you say keo 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 yeah it's so good man it's like so good yeah so good so so that that's still happening that's what i wanted to make sure it was still because you know you I, I heard about it but i didn't know if it had survived the you know the the pandemic period and everything else yep. so yep. it's going that's all going. All, of, all of my uh my restaurants survived believe it or not yeah. well um uh, when we come back i want to we'll take a break in a minute and i want to come back and talk more about you know what you're doing at peasant but uh uh, back on that journey, you know, you, you work for, uh, Laurent Torrendel and, and, and we're kind of running a lot of the BLT prime groups, right? Is that, was that sort of a, yeah, step La in the way? Laurent, Laurent saw something in me. I don't know. He trusted me. He liked me. Um, you know, we're still friends to this day. Um, he was an amazing mentor an amazing chef. Um, but he just like really trusted me. I, I don't know. He, you know, after just a year or two, he made me um, chef of BLT Prime. And then after just a year or two of being the chef of BLT Prime, he asked me to be the corporate chef for the whole company. And we opened, I mean, I think him and I opened, uh, I don't know, six restaurants together. Did you go um, open the one in Charlotte? I'm based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and there's a BLT here. 
uh, did, at, at the Ritz Carlton. Was that one of the ones under I, your umbrella? I, I did not. No, I the, the last one I opened was uh, Washington D.C. Mm. Um, but it was a great learning experience, and like I don't think I would have been able to open a restaurant as young as I was if I hadn't had like opening a restaurant is a very unique talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or scope of work. And um, to be able to be involved in so many openings like that at a young age, um, you know, to be able to go to like a black box and yes. build it from the ground up. And, you know, I had to learn as I went. I mean, you know, going back to what I said before, this is like before Dr. Google could answer every question you had, like, you know, we had to, we, you know, I was a 27 year old, 28 year old kid. And I was like, figuring out, you know, how to get the gas turned on and how to, you know, um, find purveyors in different cities and, you know, train a staff and have, you know, recipe books. And um, it was, it was, it was the sink or swim for sure. Well, clearly you, um, you, you must've learned a lot and, and uh, because somehow you ended up on Iron Chef and, and won the competition for, Next Iron Chef. Are you still doing Iron Chef now? Are they still doing new episodes? No. Um, it's uh, Believe it or not, I didn't even... <laughs> I found out the hard way, but um, Netflix bought um, Iron Chef from the Food oh. Network. Yeah. And I guess part of the dealings was that Netflix wasn't allowed to use any of the current Iron Chefs. Oh, so, my. <laughs> so, well, what was so the point? Why were they buying it? They were going to bring an all-new cast? Yeah, they bought the concept, and now there's new Iron Chefs. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah, it's like uh, I don't remember who it is. The Marcus Samuelson, Dominique Crenn, uh, mm. Ming Sai. Um, interesting. interesting. You know, all great well, chefs. Yeah, there's no shortage of great and, chefs. And, but I'm, I'm very happy for them. But what happens to the viewers who have grown, you know, fond of their of of the 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 mainstays? Hey, <laughs> I, I wasn't there for the contract negotiation, so yeah, right. <laughs> Not on your own. Yeah. Yeah, but so that's so that, that that era is over. But what was that like? What was that experience like? You know, not only doing the show because for those of us who watch it, we uh, we see the, the the final result. We we don't see all the the work that goes in behind the scenes to make one episode happen. And and uh, obviously have questions like, you know, how much do you know ahead of time? You know, what you're going to be uh, working with and what you're going to do, and what's the pressure like even doing a show like that. Yeah, well, I I mean, listen, the next Iron Chef was was a whole different animal. That that took um, two months to film, and uh, you know we were you know sequestered and like living in a hotel, and um, you didn't know anything prior. Trust me, you showed up to set, and it was like, okay, here's blank. You know, go make blank. You have thirty minutes. Really, you were by yourself. Like, yeah, no, no sous chef. it was literally just your two hands and really? I had to beat, I had to beat nine amazing, very well respected chefs, um, to do so. Um, was so that, was, that was, that was hard. Was it, was um, it you and Elizabeth Faulkner at the end? Were you the two finalists? In that? No, it was me and, um, Marco Canora oh, at the end. Okay. okay. Um, but like I said, there were some amazing chefs, James Beard, yeah. James Beard winners, um, mm-hmm you know, from all over the country. And it was, it was, it was hard. Like I said, everybody was really talented on that show. Um, anyway, but then I became an iron chef, which yeah, 
again, I, it was so surreal. Um, yeah, I'll, bet. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, my first day on the set in New York and like, you know, going to stand on that podium and like crossing my arms and all yeah. like, <laughs> the smoke came up and I, I think I started to cry. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is crazy. Um, it was like taking food to the highest level of drama. It was, it was, it was a brilliant concept, I think, from the beginning. Yeah, but I used to watch Iron Chef when I was a kid, so it was yeah. like it was. Yeah. I, I must be like a kid that you know loves baseball to like you know walk out on Yankee, you know, yeah. The yeah, yeah. Yankee Stadium like wearing pinstripes. Like it was just like nuts. Um, anyway, um, but then once you're on the show, it's you know, trust me, it's sixty minutes. There's no fake photography. Um, you know, they give you kind of a ballpark of what it could be a week before just so you can order some ingredients, you know, to have them there. Um, but you don't know what it is until the day you get there. Interesting. And so you really um, are th having to think right on the fly there in, in, in the moment. Yeah. And like I said, sometimes, you know, you make something that doesn't work, you got to rethink it and it's 60 minutes and it goes yeah. by fast. Um, yeah. And, uh, but it was great. I, I, you know, it, it, um, it opened a lot of doors for me. I think it also kind of shed some attention on my restaurants, which I always wanted. Um, that's why I went on the next Iron Chef in the first place. Yeah, um, yeah. And, um, you know, it helped our business. And, um, you know, but I told everybody right before it all kind of exploded, you know, New Yorkers in particular, um, you know, they're very savvy, especially when it comes to dining and, you know, the New Yorkers will come to check you out because you're on TV, but they're not going to come back yeah. if you don't, if you don't have a great product. And, um, I was, I was very adamant about that to my staff front and yeah. men back. And, you know, we've been busy ever since it was, uh, the last, I think it was the first week in October, 2010. And, you know, we've been on this roller coaster ride ever since. So I think was that about the time that American Cut opened? Uh, we opened American Cut in I think thirteen. Because I, but I, I'm actually I don't actually I'm not involved with them anymore. Oh, you are, but, but but when you did open it, I ate there. It was one, it was your, the only restaurant of yours that I actually got to eat at because I don't get to New York City that often. But my nephew you know, lived around the corner and loved it, and he he brought me over there, and I had a, a in, great in Tribeca. Yeah, in Tribeca. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great restaurant. I loved it. It was yeah, fun. So, so that's no longer, that's not part of what, what, what the Forge restaurant group has kind of gone on to. No. So the hospitality group, we actually, we couldn't use Forge hospitality. Somebody owned it. I couldn't oh. believe it. Um, so the hospitality group um, is, is going to be called respect hospitality. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, when we um, officially become, I mean, we kind of already have officially become, but when we officially kind of, um are introduced to the world um we're gonna have uh restaurant mark for joan uh peasant and uh one fifth is the third one one fifth yeah it's um that's the address it's one fifth avenue oh uh, i thought right one i got it <laughs> yeah right all right well, Square well let's let's talk more about that when we come back let's take a little break right now and we'll come back we'll talk about peasant we'll talk about one fifth and uh you know and the future uh, with Mark Forgione. Okay. So uh, join us for part two of our conversation today on Pizza Quest. And Mark, we'll see you back in just a few seconds on part two. Stick around for more Pizza Quest after a word from our sponsor.
I'm Chava Peribán, co-host of Agave Road Trip on HRN here to talk about 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods that a family owned and operate distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle, 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainability-managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred, my organization in Jalisco, where together we transform agave byproducts and water waste into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 has been part of so many magical nights for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. This episode is supported by HRN business member ClearCogs, as in cost of goods sold. ClearCogs saves restaurants money by providing daily food prep forecasting to help reduce food waste. Using historic restaurant transaction data and custom machine learning models, ClearCogs predicts how much of each ingredient or menu item needs to be prepped on each day. To learn more, visit clearcogs.com. That's clearcogs.com. ClearCogs supports HRN's creative, educational reporting and storytelling that drive conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. Welcome back to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, and I'm here today with Mark Forgion. Thanks for coming back and joining us for part two. Uh, and Mark, uh, thanks for kind of bringing us up to date and telling us a little about your your own your own journey. Uh, it seems like you've been doing this for a long, long time. Yet you still seem like a young guy, and which is amazing. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, that means that there's still a lot of miles of tread left on those tires because uh, you got some big big plans and a and a restaurant, you know, whole restaurant group. Uh, opening. What did you say the name of the the new name is uh, for your restaurant group? Respect Hospitality. Yeah. How did you come up with that respect hospitality? Was respected an important concept to you? Yeah. I mean, listen, to me, um, you know, not just the restaurant, but like life, you know, kind of starts and ends with respect. And um, there was just so many avenues that you can go down um, you know, respect for yourself, respect for your um, co-workers, respect for the ingredients, respect for the guests, respect for the food, respect for the, you know what I mean? It's like, you can, you can go on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of struck a chord with me, um, you know, because I have a lot of respect for this business, obviously yeah. growing up in it and seeing how hard you have to work to be in it. And exactly. I have, a, I have a lot of respect for so many chefs, you know, that, 
I've never been on TV, so maybe people don't know who they are. And it's, yeah, right, right. Um, you know, so it was just kind of when when I knew I couldn't do Forge, um, I had to figure something else out. And it took a couple months, and then I was kind of walking one morning, and it was like, yeah, you know what? What about respect hospitality? Yeah, I like it. And uh, of course, Forge was such a perfect name for you know for your restaurant group. A great play on your name, but uh, but I, I like respect. You know, we have one of our favorite guests on Pizza Quest is Tony Gemignani who's kind of like, you know, the, the rock star of the pizza world, uh, his, his place in San Francisco, uh, Tony's Pizza Napolitana and Pizza Rock in Las Vegas and all that. And and Tony prints on every one of his pizza boxes, uh, his catchphrase is respect the craft. And that, nice, yeah. that phrase has become, you know, kind of a mantra within the pizza world, you know, respect the craft. And, and, uh, and I think that I'm glad to hear that you're, you know, also using that word because, it's it's important. It's an important principle and a concept. Not everybody grows up understanding the importance of that. Agreed. Agreed. And you know, as well as I do, the restaurant business is it's not just a job. Like it's it's you know, there's there's a lot that goes into it. So yeah, and it is hard work. And not everybody, you know, has what it, you know, is cut out for it. That's for sure. And especially when you get into the ownership side, then you've got all these other kinds of levels of stress to deal with. Uh so you've added to, you know, to this growing empire of restaurants is a uh, peasant. And then you mentioned also, uh, what was the, the, the other one? One, one fifth, one, one fifth, which, uh, we're actually going to be showcasing, um, you know, fresh, um, extruded pastas that we're making with like a bunch of different like vegetable juices and dried oh. powders. And, and then another one of the highlights of the menu is actually going to be, um, um, not pizza, but pizza. P-I-N-S-A. Pinsa, yeah, uh, yeah, which is uh, a type of pizza in a way. It's almost like a Roman style in a sense, isn't yep, it? It's Rome, yeah, it's Roman style, you know, a higher hydration, um, you know, three-day ferment, um, which is kind of how I make my pizza, though, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, you know, we're, we're very excited to kind of bring it because, like, there's a couple people doing pizza in New York, but it just hasn't, like caught fire and i think for obvious reasons you know new york is a is a pizza town yeah um but we think it's going to be uh we, we think people are going to love it it's great for sharing you cut them into like little like almost bruschetta kind of bite-sized uh -huh. pieces you know you cut it they you cook them in an oval and then you cut them into eight the whole restaurant is built on sharing so it's like it's a perfect way to kind of oh you know, so and also, we, will you be having kind of uh, uh, like communal tables? Even you know the yeah, yeah. We, the whole front of the restaurant is all communal tables, and we've got a giant bar. Um, Fabulous! Yeah, it's going to be fun. Is uh, doesn't pizza use a special blend of flour that's uh, other than just not just wheat flour, but aren't there some other ingredients that kind of give it that lightness and and yep. uh, that openness? Yeah. So. And, you know, just to kind of segue into, into peasant and pizza also. Um, so I, um, when I took over peasant, you know, I told you we only had about 10 weeks of business and I was kind of working my way around each station and I hadn't got to the pizza yet. I was still using the pizza dough that Frank was using. Uh -huh. Um, and then COVID happened and I was like most people kind of in my house, just experimenting with, 
baking and, you know, different flours and, you know, just kind of researching and, um, and I came across, um, you know, my, my, my father, believe it or not, um, he's been working on this like pizza huh. recipe. Uh, he was living in California and like, he fell in love with it. And, um, what I did is after experimenting with a couple different, um, sourdough pizzas, I ended up using the pizza ratio as like an inspiration to try to create pizza because uh-huh. I love Neapolitan pizza. I have nothing against it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, but I'm also a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate like a, a crispy crust, you know, no yeah. flop kind of thing. And yeah, I know right. Neapolitan is based on the flop. So <laughs> I, w- I was trying to figure out a way to kind of blend the two together, you know? Uh, uh. And, and pizza is is actually really light and airy and crunchy as, as well. Um, so I added a starter to. Um, it's a blend of rice flour, soy flour, um, wheat, um, uh. as well, and um, you know, pizza is supposed to be made with like ice water, and it can't go above a certain temperature. That's interesting, but the but the pizza, I kept the same flour ratio, but I used um, warm water and olive oil. So it's like, if you, when I told my dad what I was doing, he's like, you can't do that. You're going to ruin it. And I was like, well, you know, I'm just, I got nothing else to do. So I'm going to experiment. Yeah. Let me find um, out if I'm ruining it or not. <laughs> and I think the pizza, P-I-Z-Z-A, yeah. Yeah. Um, came out um, incredible. and. The cool part was, was I didn't get to test it in a wood burning oven when I was first doing it. I was literally doing it in my home oven. Uh And I was so excited the first day I got back in there when, you know, the restrictions were lifted. And, you know, I think there's a video on Instagram, but I put the pizza in there for the first time, not knowing what was going to happen. And it just like, it like rose, like, it was like magic, you know, um, the the dough just like went crazy when it hit the, the 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 base of the wood burning oven and it rose like an inch and a half and it was just like it was like a celebration like I think we've got our pizza dough. Um, that's really cool. So so essentially, by breaking the rules, so to speak, of the pinza formula, you created a, a new kind of a dough. Uh, it's kind of a hybrid of of uh, that performs differently than the pinza performs. Yeah, like I said, I I never would have thought that I would put rice or soy flour into my pizza. Yeah. Um, but it was like kind of like one of those things, you know what I mean? I had I had some research already kind of done, so I was like, why not? Like let's just let's just see what happens. And it's kind of how I cook, never mind with pizza, that's how I cook with everything. Um Yeah, yeah. I, I, going that. back to going back to respect, like I respect the histories and the traditions, and I always do. But I'm also kind of like a, um, I don't know, a rebel in the fact that like maybe I'll put something in something that might not be there. Like for example, I could give you an example right now. Like we're we're playing around with we got this beautiful, um, you know, Emilio um, pasta extruder, and you know we we're we're mixing different vegetable juices into the doughs to see what happens and like yeah. we're we're having so much fun with it which 
you know, I don't know if that's what you're supposed to do, um, but we're, like I said, it, we're creating some amazing things. And, um, you know, um, another like kind of like perfect example of this is like, you never really see sesame in Italian cooking except for on bread. Uh-huh. And we kind of just looked at each other. We're like, well, if you can put sesame on the outside of bread, like why yeah. can't you season a piece of fish with it? Like what, what the hell is the difference? You know yeah, I mean? right. It's like, right. So it's like, you know, like I said, we, I, I respect um, history and um, always use it as a guideline, but um, and the pizza is a perfect example of that. It's like, well, let's just try it and see what happens. I say that all the, I probably say it once a day to my chefs. Let's just try it and see what happens. Let's try it. And I, and it's great that you, that your chefs and you get to try it because not like, like you were saying, if you're locked into a tradition to where you have to like adhere to the, the, the strictest of all, you know, rules of the game, then you never really find out which rules can be broken and where it can go. If you do break the rules, uh, what do you, what is it that kind of, you, this this sort of maverick or rebel you know aspect of your of your cooking uh what's you know what's kind of behind that what are you what do you what are you looking for what drives you you know what's that fire in your belly that drives you to kind of be pushing the the envelope a little bit and to see how far you can take things you know i i, I can't explain it or describe it but i've, I've just always had this kind of passion for creating something new and it doesn't you know it hasn't gone away yet so i'm just going to keep riding it um while i have it but um i think that's why i kind of excelled when i got the opportunity um on the next iron chef because um you know i've been i've been i have notebooks and notebooks of ideas for to dishes not all of them work obviously but um you know you can ask my wife i wake up in the morning and I kind of sit down and I'm surrounded by cookbooks and I drink yeah. my coffee and I read about a technique here, or a technique there. And, um, it's just, I, I, I enjoy, I thoroughly enjoy it. I enjoy creating. So, yeah. Well, that's the key is, is enjoying it. And, uh, um, you know, what, and also from what I'm picking up as you kind of gone through your own culinary journey, you know, you've gone through various phases, you know, mastering, you know, uh, classic, you know, French cuisine and different styles, Italian cuisine. Um, what's firing you right now? Is it, is it the wood fire itself? Because you, you were, you were kind of held back from being able to do that for so long. Is that what's what you're on fire about now is cooking with, with fire or is there, or, or something else? What are sort of the hot issues right now that are, that are compelling for you? Well, I mean, at peasant in particular, you know, yes, obviously, with the fire um we just kind of actually shifted the way that we um the menu and instead of having like composed entrees as like the secundi um we decided to kind of scrap the whole anti-pasta pasta and then followed by secundi and um we just added a we just call it from the grill and you know some of them are appetizers some of them are small portions you know, we have veal tongue, we have uh, lamb sweetbreads, we have ramps, asparagus, and it's really just kind of simply grilled. And you can eat it before your pasta, after your pasta, with your pasta, um, but really focusing on the grill. Um, like last night, for example, we just threw soft shell crabs on the grill, which I had never done before. I wanted to see how they would come out and they came out like incredible. Um, 
so that's kind of been fun. It's just seeing what we can put on the grill and what kind of kind of simple yeah. sauce or garnish we can do with it. Um, and at Restaurant Mark Forgione, you know, we're just always kind of having fun. I mean, we always, it's what we like to do. You know, I love cooking in spring too. Like spring is like every week there's a new ingredient. Um, every week, one of my foragers or, you know, will tell me that, Hey, this just popped up. Like, what do you want to do with it? You know what I mean? So it's like, we kind yeah. of dictate the, the menu is dictated by, by what the people are bringing in. Well, you, the pastas that you were describing with made with, you know, uh, unconventional, you know, ingredients, is, uh, is that going to be both a peasant and at uh, one fifth or is it back to what you're going to focus on at one fifth? Um, probably one fifth. And at, at Mark Ford Junior, restaurant Mark Ford Junior, we don't have to really focus so much on tradition Italian. Like we, you know, we kind of bill it as you know New York cuisine. So, uh -huh. um, you know, like right for example, right now we're doing a pasta that has um, snails and um, you know uh, mater di butter. You know what I mean? So it's like there we like to have fun, and we made the we made the, the pasta shape. Uh, little shells so it's kind of like the shell of the snail yeah um yeah. but we made it with ramp greens and green garlic so it's like a bright green so it's almost like the snails are kind of like in the grass yeah um so like at forge we could do that kind of stuff one fifth we're going to really focus on vegetables as a whole because we're so close to union square market yeah um and peasant, like I said, we have we have a couple different pastas that we that we actually do in the oven too because we have it. You know, we have a a rosette, we have a lasagna, um, you know, that we like to have kissed by the fire as well. So when people come to dine at peasant, what uh, what are the 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 sort of what's the word I'm looking for signature dishes that that you, when you go to peasant, you know, you don't want to leave without trying at least these items on the menu. Uh, I, I, I um, well, dance, yeah no it's all good i mean obviously we have the the suckling pig that you know we cook one or two pigs every day um, okay so that's a, so that's a big part of it is the is the the pig so uh and that's being cooked right is that like on a on a on a spit just just spinning in front of the oven or how do you do that yeah we like i said we we tie them up at about um you know give or take 12 o'clock every day and they're ready by service and we kind of just chop it up into pieces and then reheat it on the grill and put it on your plate. I mean, it's, yeah. it's simple, simple cooking, but it's really good. And then, uh, and then peaches go talk a little bit about the peaches that you're doing there. Uh, you know, what, what are some of the, the go-to pizzas? Um, well, it's funny. We kind of pumped the brakes a little bit on the pizza at peasant. Okay. Um, and the reason was, is because the pizza was kind of taking over and it's not a pizza restaurant. It's a wood burning restaurant. And I see. Yeah. Um, but we, right now we, we, you know, we do like one or two on the menu. Um, right now we're doing a, um, like a spicy one, um, that has this gorgeous cheese from Abruzzo. Um, it's like a smoked ricotta that's mm. coated in Calabrian chili. It's so good. Um, yeah. And then we're doing a kind of play on um, the Calcosada festival in Spain. So we have a, a romesco and green garlic with um, a lamb carpaccio. 
Nice. And it's on the, and it's all on the new crust that you, that you've been, is that already being used now? The, 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 the playoff of the pizza. Yeah. We've been using the sourdough since, since we came back from COVID. So that's, you know, two years now. So, uh, but, but the sourdough, when you say sourdough, the, 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 I get that as the fermentation, but also you were describing this, the, using the, 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 uh, sort of the pinza blend of, uh, of rice flour and, and, and that's all part of it, uh, as well. Yeah, you... It's it's a sourdough, sourdough, it's a sourdough. Yeah. Um, the, the starter was born in, in my apartment, um, <laughs> in 2020, yeah, 2020. Um, brought it to the restaurant and we've been feeding her ever since. So will the, will the pizza uh, that you're doing at uh, one fifth be also sourdough leavened or will that be, uh, no, no, this is like a little more controlled environment. Uh, like I said, temperature and everything controlled and we're cooking it in an electric oven because again, it needs to be like kind of particular pizza is like a science, I guess. And like, you know, the pizza that we're doing at peasant is more like a wildfire. Yeah, cool. Well, it's it sounds to me like if if I was uh, if I had a day to do a pizza quest, I'd need to go to both restaurants and then have a sort of a the the experience of of both versions. Uh, we saw like at the Pizza Expo, I've seen the pizza being introduced as a as a, a concept and a product, along with you know there's the sort of the Roman pizza movement, the Roman style, like uh, Massimiliano Saiva is doing. A, a style of Roman pizza, which is in many ways similar. Um, mm-hmm. It seems to me that one of the things that I love about those styles is that they open up. They're so fully hydrated. It's like a big wet molten dough that then gets folded and fermented for a long period of time. And then, and then when, when you bake it, it just opens up like a honeycomb. Uh, yep. Is that kind of like, am I uh, imagining that that's what the, these yep. are going to look like? Very, very much. It's a, it's like a light, airy, crispy focaccia almost. And then do you top them after they come out of the oven or do you, you know, top them and bake them with toppings? Um, well, we're, we haven't gotten a chance to experiment yet, um, but um, we've been playing around with par-baked shells that we're having made in the Finger Lakes by this guy. I see. Um, and, and they're coming out incredible par-baked um, and then putting the toppings on them. I see. And then you can throw them back in. You, awesome. Well, Mark, this sounds pretty exciting. Got so much going on. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate you giving us some time today and, and filling us in. And now is one fifth, is it open yet? Is, is that restaurant already open and, and serving? No, we should be open in uh, give or take July. And and you mentioned Instagram. So if people want to follow you on Instagram and see some of the, the photos of what's going on, where, where, where should they go? Uh, my Instagram is just my name, Mark Forgione. Um. And then you can also check out Peasant, uh, Restaurant Mark Forgione, and One Fifth should have, uh, uh, we should be up and running really soon. Excellent. Um, well, so for those of you who are watching or listening, please, uh, you know, check out the Instagrams. You'll be able to at least, you know, see visually some of the things that we've been talking about today. And um, Mark, I look forward to seeing you when I get to the city. Try to, I'll give you a heads up and, uh, uh, you know, try to get to one or both of the restaurants, you know, first chance I get and uh, invite all of you to do the same. Uh, again, Mark, thank you so much for being with us today and best of success on all of, as the as the uh, respect restaurant group 
you know, continues to grow and expand and, uh, you know, just give you a lot of respect for doing it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brett. I appreciate it. We'll see you in New York. Thank you. See you soon. Bye-bye. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.